Hey, good people. It's a good Friday. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Reggie Wilson. We got Sam Ekstrom, the movie aficionado, or Izzy. And we got Luke Spinman, or Luke Inman, as you guys know him. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota, and this is the Friday Roundtable. We're covering all sports, football, basketball, baseball, maybe even some movies. But we got to get locked in on this show, man. What you got, Luke? Yeah, Ron, summer break officially here for the Vikings. So which players were the biggest winners of OTAs in minicamp? Now that the dust has settled, have some big momentum heading into training camp. We'll break it all down next. And T-Pain put on a better performance at Target Field yesterday <laughs> than the Minnesota Twins. We'll get into their latest loss and where they stand. I mean, this T-Pain, what do you expect? Uh, and Cat, he said, what? He's been making the rounds on these pods this offseason, and I think he might have just said some of the most nonsensical things that he has said ever. <laughs> and the Twins might need auto-tunes to get better, clearly, because T-Pain, we know what he does best. But what is going on with the NFL free agent market? We know DeAndre Hopkins is taking flights. Dalvin Cook has yet to really come out and say what team is a front runner for his services. But Patrick McAfee with the tank top and Pac-Man Jones seem to have a feeling that Dalvin Cook has changed the free agent running back market. We have to jump into what Dalvin Cook is going to do to this free agent market and where he stands. Pat McAfee said it. I like Pat McAfee. I think he might be right. But we'll talk about that next on the Friday Roundtable and people understand this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports book of Locked On. Just visit fanduel.com backslash locked on to make every moment more. And don't forget your no sweat first bet. If you've never done it, I did it was super easy. Make your first five or ten dollar bet, they're gonna give you some money, and then you get to bet it on whatever you want. Now, that money you win is yours, you lose, it's theirs. Who cares? I won. I bet Nuggets over the Lakers. I took the money home, people. I got a nice little chunk of change in there that I'm going to make some more bets as I head down to Iowa again. And I'm looking forward to it. There's not a lot of sports left, but you got some baseball. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm not going to say it out loud, but just bet on the Twins to lose and you'll win. Uh, But I didn't say that out loud. But we got to move on to the show, people. We got to move on to the show. Luke. What you got? Yeah, Ron, OTAs, minicamp officially in the books for the Vikings. Now they got a nice little break before training camp gears up in August. So now that the dust has settled, I want to know which players improved their stock the most. Which guys were the big winners from everything we saw? Let me kick things off. I'll give you one offense, one defense. Offensively, no JJ, no Jordan Addison. This was a huge opportunity for someone in that wideout group to make some noise, to shake things up, supplant themselves as the next guy up in the pecking order outside of K.J. Osborne. And that's a big group of guys, too. That's a lot of names fighting for one or two spots. Rager, Brandon Powell, Tristan Jackson, Blake Prohl, Thomas Thayer. From the get-go, all the way back first week in OTAs, maybe no player turned more heads in the passing game than last year's rookie, Jalen Naylor. Really took advantage of the time missed by Addison and J.J. He ran with it, made catch after catch early on. Clearly building off the way he finished strong last season with that big game in Lambeau, remember, against the Packers in Week 17. And then defensively, there's just been so much talk about this new Brian Flores defense thus far. Maybe the A topic outside of Daniel Hunter in the pass rush was always going to be who's starting at cornerback. It was a big muddled group of guys, but all signs right now point to a Caleb Evans being the first guy that gets that crack at that second boundary spot. He got all the first team reps to finish minicamp. And just based off what we saw, guys, 
maybe not cemented in that spot quite yet, but heading into training camp, I think it's safe to say uh, Caleb Evans is penciled into that starting cornerback spot and has kind of risen to the top of the depth chart past everyone else. Got to give one quick small shout out to to Josh Metellus. Uh, I mean, he's kind of battled against all odds. Everybody thought he would be at the bottom of the pecking order in this big safety group. Lewis Seen, Harrison Smith, Bynum. Coaches really seem to be enamored with him and his versatility in the box and in coverage. So Josh Metellus, huge surprise heading into camp, clearly going to play some sort of key role in Brian Flores' defense in those three safety looks, Ron. What you got, Sam? Yeah, Luke, once again, the kleptomaniac who steals all the names. I can't Uh, help it. I, I love I think them all. It, if your name was Josh, I think you had a pretty good a pretty good spring. Josh Metellus on defense, number two safety on Pro Football Focus last year, guys. In 259 snaps, he uh, started week three, week 14, week 18. And even last year, he was doing some of this stuff that we're seeing him do now, which is move around the box, playing a little bit of nickel. Uh, he is really entrenched, guys, in this starting defense right now. And we're asking ourselves, who's going to be the nickel? Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Booth? Is it going to be Jawan Williams? Is it going to be Murphy? We might see Metellus in that role more often than not. He's been uh, that fifth defensive back on most of the reps. I think he's had a wonderful spring. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Josh Oliver has been much more integrated than I ever thought. He's been running a lot of routes, and I think they're going to use him as a pass catcher more than you expect. We see him as a blocking tight end, but he might get involved in the passing game as well. So look out for the Joshes on both sides of the ball. Reggie. So mine is twofold here, and I think I I go like offense on both. So the first winner is the Vikings. When Justin Jefferson strolled out of that building and onto the practice field, it was like, all right, well, the suspense is over. He's here. He's ready to go. He declared that he's going to be there for training camp as well, which I don't think there was any question that he would not be there. Um, But he definitively says, he's like, oh, yeah, like, what do you mean? Yeah, I'll be there. Crazy. Uh, And and I think that that is just a really good thing for the the Vikings moving forward. Just some good faith on both sides. I think we see an extension get done by training camp or in the first few days of training camp. I can see it. I can see it. I think the other person who uh, won is Alexander Madison. You know, he was pretty much anointed RB1. And this week when Kevin O'Connell talked to the assembled media, he said he has a lot of faith in that running back room. But he said he has a lot of faith in that running back room because of Alexander Madison. And so when you get that type of praise and that type of confidence from your head coach, there's no way you're not a winner so far this offseason. Yeah, for me, when I look at it really quick, I just go with a Caleb Evans. I, I do. I'm a. I, uh, I'm not gonna pick a whole bunch of people because I said who won, not how many people won, Luke. Uh, but who won for me? I'm gonna say a Caleb Evans as well. Uh, Sam knows that I've loved the Caleb Evans since he first got to the Minnesota Vikings. I said when they first drafted him, and his frame is six four, he's gonna do some things. Uh, I'm not gonna be preposterous and say he's the next coming of Mel Blunt. But when we had Mel Blunt on the show, Sam, you remember that he talked mm-hmm. about? I mean, Hall of Fame corner, six four, unheard of. He talked about the things that set him, sets him apart from other corners, which was length. And that's what the cable have, Evans has that another lot of people have. And when you're playing a lot of man coverage, because we heard Josh Mantellus say this, it's chaotic, but it's calming. When you're playing man coverage, what's the best thing that you can overcome getting beat? Length. And I think that's where Caleb Evans probably looks better to Brian Flores than these other corners. It's like, look, even if he's a step behind, he's still there because his arm, if he just puts his arm, if I can teach him, don't panic. 
stay calm. You're playing defensive back. Put your hands up, and you're, you're tall enough that you'll you'll get in the receiver's way and block the ball. Or when they yell ball, because that's the safety's job and the team's job is to yell ball the last minute to let you know it's coming. So locate it quick and then try to knock it down again with your 6-4 frame. So I think that's where Caleb Evans is going to set himself apart. I, I liked him then. Hopefully he can stay healthy, and that's going to be the key for him. Uh, moving on to the next topic. Reggie, what you got for us? Ooh-wee. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so Cat's been making his rounds on the pods. You know, he was on Podcast P, and, you know, he said some things there. But this Pat Bev thing, man. So first, Pat Bev anoints Cat as the best big man in the league after all that we saw from Jokic this postseason. After seeing what Jokic did to the Timberwolves in the first round of the playoffs, after all that, which could have been another MVP season from Jokic, Pat Bev goes, Cat is the best big man in the NBA. And look, I get it. That's his guy, but like he come wants on, a job. Pat. He wants a job. He wants to come back to Minnesota. Well, <laughs> he might be helping himself. I don't know if Tim Connolly wants him or not, but he might be coming back and Cat might not be there. Ooh. Ooh. Maybe. Ooh. Well, so on this pod, Cat says a lot of things. A lot of things. The first thing being that if it's all when it's all said and done. People are going to say that he changed the game. This whole like best shooting big man, you know, of all time and all that, like he is really, really riding that thing. But I think the problem is, is that Cat has turned himself into such a jump shooter that I think he has stunted his growth in other areas. You look at the things that Jokic does. Jokic can step back and hit that rainbow three. And that's impressive about his game. But also, Jokic can go ahead and, and and get you some muscle inside, you know, turn around, sky hook, jump hook, just, you know, beat you up inside and, and get a bucket. And I think Cat has kind of regressed in that in that nature. And, and Kendrick Perkins let him have it about saying that yesterday on ESPN. And then the other thing that Cat said that probably was the most egregious thing that he said in the whole pod was that what last year's Timberwolves did was more impressive than what the Nuggets did this year. Last year's Timberwolves were bounced in the first round, losing games that they probably should have won against the Memphis Grizzlies. This year's Timberwolves team was bounced in the first round. They they barely got that one win at home against the Nuggets. Got a nice little gentleman sweep. Got them on up out of the playoffs. Cat watched complimented Jokic saying how well Jokic does things on the floor and how much in sync they are. But he said that they've been together four or five years. What they did in four months was more impressive from a chemistry standpoint than what the Nuggets did this year. And the Nuggets just had a parade yesterday celebrating the championship. So I don't really know what reality Cat is living in, but people are letting him have it right now. And and honestly, I I like Cat a lot. Like he's been gracious with me with his time, but that was not it. That was a very unserious thing to say. What you got for that, Sam? Yeah. All right. I can't defend the second part of that. I can't defend saying that you're. Is he is he saying that? getting Rudy like the clock started when they got Rudy Gobert and they had four months like yep that's what he's saying that's what he's saying yep that's dumb that's stupid um 
that's the kind of thing that where Cat loses all of the equity because then when he says something like, I've changed the game or want to change the game, I don't know if he's saying he has or if he's going to or or what the tent like past tense, present tense is there, but I I will I will defend him in this sense. Carl Anthony Towns over the last six seasons is a 40% three-point shooter over a stretch of six seasons at his size. I don't know if we've seen that um, in the NBA. Now we're going to see it a whole lot more because there are a lot of other players that have cats skill set as a big man. It's just part of it's par for the course. Now with these bigs, they come into the league and they can shoot threes. So we're not going to look back and say that cat changed the game. We're going to look back and say that Steph Curry changed the game. We're going to say that three-point shooting became so prominent that all of these bigs needed to shoot threes. If you look at the list of guys every year that shoot better than 40%, most of them are guards. Like, Cat does have something there. He is one of the best to do it at his size. Mm -hmm. But no one's going to single him out and say that he was the guy that revolutionized the big man shooting threes, especially when he's not winning playoff series. Uh, you got to win to have a legacy in this league, and Cat right now has not done that, and he doesn't do a lot of things to promote winning on the court like, like Jokic to promote winning, like playing unbelievable defense, being an unbelievable passer, having an inside-outside game. I think he does a little bit, but Cat is very offensive-focused, um, scoring focused, and that's kind of it right now. So I'm gonna have to see a lot more from our guy, Carl Anthony. And Sam, yeah. real, real quick, ahead, I think Rich. I think uh, when you think about bigs who changed the game, uh, and Perk said this yesterday, but Dirk Nowinski, career mm-hmm. uh, 38 yeah. percent from three, but mm-hmm. he was the guy like the step back, like seven footer, mm-hmm. d- doing the stuff that he did, rainbow three. Like I think that's who you kind of think about. Not necessarily Cat, and I think the tough part about what Cat has done is now he is he is doing what he's doing, but now in a in an age where everybody is shooting threes, big men included. You look at Victor, uh, who's about to come out, Wimby, and so like by the time it's all said and done, you're going to have so many seven footers that are able to pop a three that maybe you don't look at him like, oh yeah, he changed the game. It just he he kind of fit into the game as the game kind of evolved. You know who was another great shooting big? Kevin Love for the Timberwolves. I don't think he changed the game. We're not going to be putting Kevin Love's silhouette on the NBA logo instead of George Mikan. So it he didn't change the game. He didn't change the game. Yeah, I mean, guys, Cat, okay, this is fun to talk about on a Friday morning in the middle of the June. It's going to be a long offseason. He gave us some fun bulletin board material today, but the A topic, the elephant's still in the room for me anyways. What are the odds that Cat is even on this team next season, Ron? I'm curious what you think Cat's future looks like in Minnesota. Uh, i go real quick on that one, and I'll come back around. Uh, but really quick. I think he's on the team. I do think they may be looking for trade partners. If I'm looking for a trade partner, I'm trading Gobert. Like, I'm not trading Carl Anthony Towns. Um, I can explain a little bit of that, you know, in a minute. But, I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Sam and Reggie? What do you guys think about them being traded or being there? Reg? Sam. Right. Oh, I, all right. I, I don't think Gobert is enough value to to yield the trade offer that Tim Con- – like, Tim Connolly made this move um, to, you know, try to make this team a winner. And I don't think he'd want to give up on Gobert for bad value after one year because I don't think he's worth very much. I think Cat is an asset. I think he'd be worth a lot. So if you are going to trade one, you probably go with the guy that, that gives you a lot of picks and players. 
Um, even though I would love to, I would love to get rid of Gobert. Reg, love it. Reg, what's Cat worth? If you traded him this year, is he worth the Portland pick at three, Houston at four, Detroit at five? What do you think Cat's value actually is? Top yeah, I, I think I think uh, you kind of look back at what Anthony Davis. Okay, his value was. I mean, he's not necessarily the the type of player that Anthony Davis is because you're talking about a, a player who is an elite defender, mm-hmm. and Cat is, as Sam said, mostly an offensive player. And so, I think you you can get a haul for Cat. You can get a haul for Cat, but I think what's tough is is. Cat had that injury that sidelined him for most of the season, and you didn't really get a chance to see what this team could look like uh, for a full season. So it's like, do you punt on that if you're Tim Connolly after going all in on Rudy Gobert? You're not going to get what you gave up for Rudy. So there's no reason to really get rid of Rudy. But if you did want to recoup something, I think trading Cat would be the best thing. But there's it's, it's just hard to replace a guy that has the type of production of Cat. And I think – Denver kind of had the blueprint, and I tweeted this. And look, Cat is not the type of player that Jokic is, but the two-man game between Murray and Jokic, if they can somehow find a way to replicate at least a little bit of that in Minnesota with with Cat and Ant, they could do some things and possibly try to win a playoff series for once. Well, here's the thing where I go with this real quick. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Uh, You can't deny – the fact that Carl Anthony Towns' career is a 39.5% three-point shooter. So career, he has had some of the best. I mean, you look at even Jokic, he's at 37. You go back to other guys uh, like a Kevin Love, he's at a 30, I think, 6 or 37 as well. I even went to Anthony Davis. He had some good years, but he's below Cat as far as career three-point percentage. So he has a point there. Here's where he's missing the point. From the field – from the field, Jokic is a 55% from the field guy. Over half the time, Jokic touches the ball, whether it's at the free throw line, wherever it might be, he's knocking it down. Carl Anthony Towns, on the other hand, now he is above. He's at 52, but that's what sets him apart. It's like his, his and, I, and I would love to see like the perimeter inside the dunks because it's the it's what you do with the ball when you get it. You know, it's, it's overall game. You look at assists. He's at 3.2. You go to Jokic. And and I mean, and that's that's the thing, too. They're going to go back and forth and everybody. I mean, I looked at DeMarcus Cousins stats. I got all these guys' stats up here. And when you go back and forth with all these guys, it, it just it's it's out there. But you look at defensive rebounds, because that's the other thing. You got Jokic at almost eight. You know, Carlin Towns not jumping on the defensive boards. He's not a defender down there. Jokic assists a game, almost seven. He's doubling, over doubling what Carl Anthony Towns does with the ball when he has the ball. Jokic creates. He gets his teammates involved. He assists. He shoots. He's doing it all. So would I rather have a guy at 34% from three and seven assists and rebounds and 55 from the field over a guy that's 39 from three, but then he's deficient in other areas? Three assists? Three defensive rebounds? Yes. Give me give me Jokic. And, and I think that's where Carl Anthony Towns is overdoing this. I changed the game. The problem with him saying he changed the game, the answer to that, and now this is the thing, people, I think we're forgetting. The answer to that is yes, he is. But is he going to change it for the better? Steph Curry has changed the game, but some people think he's ruined it for younger kids that the first thing they come in the gym and do is throw up a three. And they think, I got to shoot a three like Steph Curry. I got to shoot it and turn my back to the basket. Look at Swaggy P, best meme out there. Shoots a three, turns around, and celebrates. The ball bounces out. Dude, 
Follow through. Watch the ball. Be Michael Jordan. Steph Curry is a unicorn. You can't do that. And then when you same thing, when you think about uh, Carl Anthony Towns, he changed the game. But I think he's going to hurt some really big men that are big that need to put their big butts to the basket, take their 270, 280 pound frames, and just beat people up. And they're going to want to shoot threes. That's that's the problem with some of the what Carl Anthony Towns. Like. He has changed. People are going to look back and say, "Man, he did change the game." But he's making these big men not. That's why Shaq hates that because Shaq's like, "Look." We, we, we get paid a lot of money for a reason because we're bruisers. We don't need to shoot threes. Do what we can do that nobody else can do. Everybody can shoot a three if you're a guard or forward or you can shoot. But how many people can dominate the paint? Not a lot of people can do what Shaq did. Not a lot of people can do what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Olajuwon did. And that's, that's the problem. Do you want to change the game or do you want to be a Hall of Famer? That's the difference. And I think that's where Carlton sounds a little bit off. He's a great player. He's going to get a haul. He's not Anthony Davis because he's not a defender, but he's a great player. He changed the game. But I, I think it's about being um, eternal, being a Hall of Famer, being one of the best big men, not the best big men shooter. Be the best big man of all time. You're too big to not to be. You're a bully. Be a bully. But that's not his game, and, and that's what we've come to. Like These guys like each other. Back in the day, these guys did not like each other. Shaq wanted to punch everybody he played. Barkley punched people for real. Oakley actually punched people. We don't have that anymore. We definitely don't have that anymore. I mean, Kobe got two-piece by Chris Childs with a biscuit. Nobody's going to two-piece LeBron. Like, we just don't have, unless it's the dude from uh, the Pistons that tried to kill him. But other than that, that's it. So that, that's where I go with that. We're going to put a bow on that one and move on to the Twins. Because we also have some talk about the best movies out there. We know Sam has nothing to say about this, but the best movies out there. We spent a ton of time on Cat. Hey, now. Hey, now. But before we jump into this Twins talk, we have a word from our sponsors. We are brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. You can't bet hockey. You can't bet basketball there right now. But what you can bet is golf. Yes, if you're like me, you're following the U.S. Open. You can live bet the winner of the U.S. Open. Yesterday, I said Max Homo was going to win it. Right now, he is plus 4,000 as he tries to storm back on Xander Shoffley and Rory McIlroy. You can wager on Max Homer right now. And if you're a new customer, you can make it a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Go there to get started and learn more about FanDuel. It's also a very easy to use FanDuel Sportsbook app with great promotions going on all the time. In addition to that, no sweat first bet, and you get paid instantly when you win. Bet all the lines, all the leagues at FanDuel. Make every moment more. FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. Well, time to move on to the Twins talk. Sam, I mean, they got destroyed by the Twins, but what do you got? Oh yeah. Or Tigers. Well, Sorry, they got destroyed by the Tigers. Sorry. By yeah, eight to four. Your uh your Detroit squad, Ron. Yeah, yeah I should have wore the hat today. I should have wore the hat. Yeah, coming into Target Field, trailing four to one, storming back against the twins bullpen. Rocco Baldelli is is just a what's the opposite of the Midas touch? Because that's what Rocco has. All the moves he makes, all well intended, probably all based in statistics and you know, the the things that that he believes in as a manager, boy, they fail a lot. Like he pulls Sonny Gray after four innings of work, your workhorse, arguably your best pitcher. He pulls Sonny Gray after four innings and 79 pitches and goes to Giovanni Moran, whose whip 
If you're a sabermetrics guy, his whip is two and a half in June. How's his nene, though? <laughs> <laughs> Not good. Not good because he gave up three runs. Gave up three runs, lost the game. Uh, twins fell behind. And then eventually the bullpen gave up uh, another three in the ninth. So the Twins lose eight to four. Rocco makes the wrong move. Offense can't deliver down the stretch once again. But hey, Luke, I know you were there. T-Pain, how good was T-Pain? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I was there last night, as you said, when the best part of the night is watching T-Pain perform. I'm in love with a stripper and buy you a drink. You know it was a tough night for the Twins. I, I just think the broad overview for this team right now, guys, is for the first two months, it was the pitching carrying this team while the hitting was trying to figure out, all right, what are we going to look like without Luisa Rise in the lineup? But now you got guys like Sonny Gray, who was dominant in April, and all of a sudden in his last eight starts, he's only gotten six or more innings two times. To your point about Rocco too, Sam, I mean, the more he goes to the bullpen early in these games and relies on these middle and late relievers, I really start to worry. I mean, the fans at home start to clench their teeth. And by the way, they shouldn't have to do it all themselves every night either. I mean, yes, clearly the pitching rotation is the strength of the team. And I understand Correa's been heating up a little bit the last few games, but Last night, just for example, once again, you got the two, three, four hitters going one for 12. You're just not going to win a ton of games or get hot and go on a run when Correa, Kirilov, and Buxton are going one for 12 and hovering around 200 collectively. So I know it's a long season. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It's only June, though, and the pitching's already showing some signs of maybe reverting back to the mean a little bit. And so ultimately, it's up to these bats to wake up and do their part if they want to take over this AL Central. Because right now, guys, I get it. They're in first place. That's cool. But this is a 500 team through and through, and they're not really showing us anything special that makes you think they can do some damage come postseason. And if any of these other teams wakes up and gets hot, whether it's Cleveland or Chicago or whoever, just like the Guardians did last year, I think the Twins and Rocco are going to be kicking themselves for not coming away with more wins and all these one-run games, too, we saw earlier in the season, and building a bigger lead when they could. What you got, Reggie? Yeah, I'll keep it brief, but uh, earlier in the, you know, before the season started, when we were at spring training, Rocco made headlines saying that his pitchers were going to go deeper into games. He trusted them to do that. Yesterday, Rocco reverted to last year, and that was tough because Sonny Gray was one of the big proponents of that. We asked him specifically, like, hey, what do you feel about Rocco saying you guys are going to go deeper into games? He's like, yeah, I'm all for that. He should. Because that's what I can do. That's what I want to do. And as you said, Sam, he's the workhorse. And, man, there was so much unsaid last night. But for what Sonny did say, he was hot that he did not get a chance to pitch longer in that game. He was like, I, I want to be out there. I want to be out there. And he there. wants the win too, Reggie, right? Yeah. You want to go five innings because your, yeah. your win total, as, as kind of dumb of a stat as it is, that – affects your perception around the league and the amount you get paid and your all-star candidacy. So we got to move on from the Twins talk, fellas. Just to know, people, XSXSXM Radio is a proud partner with uh, Locked On Sports. The Tigers and the Twins, it's a four-game series. They're down 1-0 already. They lost 8-4, to but you can catch every pitch of the Twins' hometown broadcast I mean, if you're from Detroit, it's hometown for me, too. Uh, but hometown broadcast with the SXM app. Just search Twins and the Twins Tigers tonight, 7, 10 p.m. Can the Tigers do it again? I know this is not locked on Tigers, but the Tigers might get it done again because they're not a good team. 
But the Twins don't know how to can hold consistently hold a game and win it. I don't know what's going on with the Twins, but luckily they are in the worst division in baseball because they still have a two and a half game lead over the Cleveland Guardians. So make sure you catch every pitch with your Twins hometown broadcast on the SXM app. Just search Twins. Well, fellas. My boy Pat McAfee is always good to give the media some stuff, and I'm going to be really quick with this one. Pat McAfee and Pac-Man Jones said that Dalvin Cook has completely flipped the market upside down. Why did he do that? Because he is now a free agent, and he is the best running back in football, in their opinion, next to Christian McCaffrey. They think his skill set and his speed, they showed his breaking away talent of screens and a long touchdown against Miami Dolphins. He said, Zeke ain't doing that. Zeke Elliott ain't doing that. Dalvin Cook is better than Zeke Elliott, and Zeke Elliott is a free agent too. So what does that do for Zeke? I either got to take the cheapest deal out there or I got to wait for Dalvin Cook to find a team. So if Dalvin Cook ends up on any team, I'm guessing other than San Francisco, because Pac-Man Jones tried to say just like San Francisco, meaning Christian McCaffrey went to San Francisco. They were like, look, we already got running backs. You're just going to come in and try to help us out. But then when you get the guy in the building, you're like, why would we do that? He's the best thing we have. We got to give him the ball. And Dalvin Cook's going to do the same thing for somebody, for somebody who knows who that is. But do we think that Dalvin Cook is the best running back out there other than Christian McCaffrey? After watching the tape, I kind of believe it. I kind of think so. like his speed, his ability, he's not going to run people over, but he's going to run from people and he's doing something different than anybody else. So I agree with Pat McAfee. I think Dalvin Cook puts the pressure on the rest of these teams to make a decision. The Miami Dolphins say we're happy with what we have. But if you get Dalvin Cook, he's the best in your room. Can you not not give him the ball? You can't. You'd be dumb not to. So what do you guys think about that? I'll start with you, Reggie. Yeah, I look, I'm I was still in the camp that they should have held on to Dalvin Cook here in Minnesota, but I, I digress because I know the money, <laughs> the money is the is the problem there. But I, I think Dalvin has uh some elite years still left in him. And he was a very productive back last year. And look, you look at Zeke, he has constantly regressed over the years Mm -hmm. you look at guys like kareem hunt who's also on the market you know he he had an off or a down year last year you look at cook he is the best running back on the market right now and you get a guy like that and it's like yeah you you'll say yeah he's a part of the rotation you know he'll 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 be a contributor on this offense but when he pops that 60 70 yard run you're like uh maybe we need to feed him a little bit more so i agree with that damn Someone's going to get a major bargain here. Dalvin Cook is allegedly holding out for big money, and he's not going to get it, guys. He's just not. It, yeah. it, no one is going to pay a running back $10 million or more dollars at this stage of the offseason. Um, so someone's going to wait him out, wait him out, wait him out, sign him for $5 million, and they're probably going to get a very productive player. There's only a few teams who I think have a bell cow back that would kind of usurp Dalvin Cook, that like Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. Um, I think McCaffrey's probably a better back, but th- there's not that many teams that have that one guy that would play above Dalvin Cook. He would come into a lot of running back rooms and automatically be the alpha. So he is going to be a productive player. I believe it, um, but it's not going to be for the price that he wants. I think that eventually the the market will play out that he'll probably sign for – about half or, or less of what he was making last year. 
Yeah, guys as talented and special aren't supposed to be available in free agency for the taking. I mean, San Fran with McCaffrey, for example, had to ship out three day two picks. And that's why I think everyone was so bummed and upset when Kwesi wasn't able to get even just a day three pick for Dalvin Cook when it was all said and done. Rare case to see a guy this explosive, this special in his prime, 28 years old, hit the market. And I absolutely agree. He's going to make a huge impact wherever he ends up landing. Three, maybe four guys I'd put ahead of him. C-Mac, Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb. But outside of that, for the other 28 teams that could end up signing him, he's going to come in and not only be the starting guy, he's going to come in and help add a new dynamic to the offense with his home run ability. Still can't wait to see where he ends up going. I think Denver is a sneaky option. Don't forget about I was going to say, because you got George Payton out there. He does know Dalvin. That could be a sneaky one for him to come to Dalvin and say, hey, look, we're building something special out here. Coach Payton is out here with Sean Payton. You got George Patton. Or jo- sorry, George Payton, Sean Payton. Hey, mm-hmm. it's just Peyton Manning. I mean, come on now. Every every Peyton is going to come after Dalvin Cook. <laughs> well, and Javante Williams, their number one back, coming off a big ACL. So, I mean, they would love to have that luxury. To Javante have that Payton, like everybody. <laughs> Peyton Hillis. Everybody's coming after Dalvin. But, yeah, I-, I can see that one. I can see Seattle maybe saying, you know what, let's get a running back in here for Geno Smith. Um, there, there's a few teams out there. I, I, I could see the Saints maybe not knowing truly what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara. And, you know, that, that could be when Dalvin Cook looks as a revenge team. Like, yeah, I'll go to the Saints and come back and beat the Vikings. Um, so there's some teams out there that are in limbo with what might happen to their running back this offseason or if he's even going to come back. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins takes Dalvin Cook with him wherever he goes. Maybe the Buffalo Bills trade Stephon Diggs away and they bring in Dalvin Cook to say, we got our, we got the Cook brothers. Both of y'all are going to cook. Like, it's a lot of situations out there that we don't know. Uh, we could have talked about Stephon Diggs. We're going to let that, that dog lie right now because nobody really knows what's going on. I pray for Dalvin, or uh, I pray for Stephon Diggs, and I hope whatever emotionally he's going through, he figures it out because I know there's some, some, some turmoil in Buffalo. We've all been there before. Well, it's the fun time of the show, fellas. Because this is the point of the show where Sam has no idea about half the movies we're going to talk about. And there's always this debate out there about sports movies. And maybe we'll move on to sports movies next week uh, at some point and do all sports. Maybe just do baseball movies, basketball movies, hockey movies. Maybe just do sports movies in general. Top five sports movies. I know Minnesota fans are always going to say Miracle and Hockey. I've never seen Miracle, by the way, Sam. So I'm with you on that. I, I've never seen you probably seen that a million times, though. That's, that's I've never the number seen... one sports movie on my list. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it, so I'd have to watch that it's to see. But amazing. We're going to pick the top five football movies. Football movies in your mind of all time. Let's start with your list, Luke Spinman. Let me pull up the list here. Start at number five. Let me give an honorable mention real quick. Little Giants, The Blind Side. That's how tough this list is. I had to put The Blind Side in honorable mentions. Number five, Jerry Maguire. Great underrated football movie. Number four, The Longest Yard with Adam Sandler. Number three, Friday Night Lights. Never saw the show. Heard it's great. But the movie is absolutely outstanding. I'm a draft nut. I'm a draft nerd. Have been my whole life. So number two, draft day. Make fun of it all you want. I love that thing. And number one, everybody's number one. Remember the Titans. Are you kidding me? I like it. I like that's it. not in your number one. Uh, I don't know. There'll be no me. honorable mentions, Luke. Stop trying to waffle with the fans so they don't come at you like, oh, what about this? <laughs> oh, hey, put that about Sit down, Luke. Take the bullets. Yes, your top five. You're sticking to it. Your honorable mentions, your honorable mentions are nothing here. It's like Monopoly Wait, money. Wait, Ron, I got two more. Hold on real quick. <laughs> what you got, Reggie? 
Luke, Luke is like that guy that he's just like, look, man, I just want to make sure everybody's all good. I want to, I want to appease everybody. Okay? He has, everybody his his charcuterie okay. board like has every food possible, yeah, but only like three because he it's only so big, so he has like three of everything because he's like I couldn't figure out which fruit, so I had to do. Everything. I didn't know which you ones you would like, so I, I, I had to do pick every everything. cracker. Right, it's like one cracker of each. Like it's every cracker out there. Everything of Gouda, uh, Swiss cheese. I had to do every cheese, but only one bite. Okay. He even have like a craft scene. Singles in the rapper. Remember the old school craft singles when you were a kid that made the, oh, yeah. the commercial for that with the plastic? That was so bad. If you had to put individually wrapped cheese in its own plastic, you oh, know that man. was bad. I've seen videos of people setting that on fire and it doesn't burn. That's yeah, gross. plastic wrapped in plastic, basically, is what that is. What you got, Reggie? All right. Anyway, anyway, all love to all love to Mr. Spinman. But my number five, I, I do the Water Boy just because it's like a classic, like funny movie or whatever that. Adam Sandler was actually pretty good at that football thing and not foosball. Uh, draft day, I like that. You know, even even though Luke knows I'm not the biggest draft guy, but draft day was a pretty good one. The longest yard because look, they had an all star cast. Amar Gainelli from St. Louis, St. Louis stand up. He was in there playing the running back. That was fun. Uh, any given Sunday, I love anything with Jamie Foxx. So Willie Beeman, my dude, and apparently. Remember the Titans is every every number one pick that you would ever think for a football movie because it is the GOAT. You got Denzel in there. Enough said. Mm, I like it. I like it. Sam, do you have a list? Sam, we're talking about movies right now. Come, come on. Come on. Here we go. Here okay, we go. Okay. Okay. Oh, Sam go. has a Whoa. list. Sam has a list. Yeah, wow. if you're watching on YouTube, we got the list on the screen. If you want to, you know, if you're listening to it, you can go look at our list visually. But uh, number five, uh, big crush on Sandra Bullock. It's got to be, got to be on the list. I know Sandra watches this the show. Hey, baby, uh, we are Marshall. Number number four, Matthew McConaughey, Matthew Fox, uh, a, a program in crisis, tragedy, pulling them up from the dirt and building a new program. Uh, laying the foundation for future stars like Randy Moss. Uh, how about a comedy? The best like sports movie for kids, arguably, Little Giants. So Ed O'Neill, Rick Moranis, John Madden, the annexation of Puerto Rico. Hilarious. Remember the Titans. Uh, uh, powerful acting, powerful issues, great soundtrack. But guys, guys, you can't have a movie, a football movie, that ends with as an absurd sequence as that does. Why is the other team running the ball when they could just kneel down? Why are, why are the Titans running the ball on the game-winning play, the final play of the game? They, they call a run play, and it works? What? That's, a, that's terrible writing. Um, otherwise, good movie. Otherwise, good movie. The clear number one that you guys inexplicably left off your lists, and and I don't know what you did growing up. I don't know. I mean, as the movie buff here, I had to come in and set you straight. But Rudy, Rudy is the number one football movie of all time. Rudy, and, you know, it's not a movie about winning football games. It's a movie about finding something within yourself, proving that you can do something. All Rudy wanted to do was be on the team. He didn't need to win championships. He didn't need to score touchdowns. He just wanted to be on the team and have his brothers and dad be proud of him. So mm. <clears throat> uh, the most beautiful sight these eyes have ever seen. Rudy, number one. Fun fact about We Are Marshall, my Arena League quarterback 
in Orlando with the Predators, Shane Stafford, distant cousin to Matthew Stafford, was the quarterback in that movie. He died in the plane crash. Like, so he was only in there for like, I think like one part of the game, practice or mm-hmm. something. They got on the plane, and they died. So he was wow. in there very short. Like, like Chris like, Brown and you got served. <laughs> he got shot. <laughs> no, it wasn't you got served. It was uh Stomp the Yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stump the yard. It was one of those days. DJ, yeah, they got into a fight and then Chris Brown gets shot. Sam, bite your tongue. Hold back. Ah, uh, yeah, you lost me. But here's my 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 movie list, and uh, we can all debate it. But any given Sunday, I agree with Reggie. Jamie Foxx is ridiculously great in that movie. Uh, but Friday Night Lights, the true stories. Like I'm I'm a big fan of the true stories. That's why Sam, the Remember the Titans play. It's a true story. You can't rewrite. That like, is not true. That, that did not story. happen. That did, did happen. not happen. Friday Night find Lights. Find me the evidence that that happened. <laughs> I will go find the film from 1970. No chance that or was Or 1966 real. or whatever that was, 67. Uh, Friday Night Lights. They could have rewrote it so Booby Miles actually did great. It, they had to tell the truth. Booby got hurt. Booby never did anything again. Booby was still stuck in Texas. Uh, but Friday Night Lights, one of the great ones. I struggle with that between Varsity Blues, but I, I couldn't do it. So I got to go Friday Night Lights. And then the program. Come on now. Like the program is one of the first – jokes towards nil money handshakes and football like they told the truth about what football looked like back then for florida state because they looked like florida state they had the same uniform as florida state they were trying to like secretly tell us florida state was getting secret handshakes we know that happened the longest yard i agree with that one uh nelly come on now i i, I do agree with that one of the best running backs i've ever seen in a movie like by far the best Movie running back ever was Nelly. And then remember the Titans. Great story. Integration. Uh, white, black people came together for the first time and did something great. They went out and won. Sunshine became a great quarterback. I just love the whole movie. Bertier and, uh, you know, strong side, left side. Like, Petey, you're killing me. Some of the best one-liners ever. So that's my top five list. People, you can, like, like Sam said, you can see it on YouTube if you want to see all of our video lists. Please let us know what your top five is. That's the start. What's your top five movies? What's your top five football movies of all time? Sam's going to tweet all the lists out today. You guys let us know your thoughts. But first, watch the show. Listen to our reasoning behind the movies before you just go out there and tell us our movies suck. Because I know people are going to say, your, your movies suck. I can't believe you guys didn't pick something else or whatever. Right. I can't believe I can't believe you didn't pick All Things Fall Apart with 50 Cent. I thought that was your favorite. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a movie. Yeah, I love me some fitty, though. <laughs> All right. But I'm Ron Johnson. That's Reggie Wilson. That's Sam Extra. That's Luke Emmon. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota, people. iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia app. Wherever you get your podcast, please just follow, like, subscribe. On the SXM app, I did it myself. Just download the SiriusXM app. Search Locked On Sports Minnesota. You'll see our app right there as well. You can take it in your car, Bluetooth it to your car. Take us on the road when you're driving to Rochester, Mankato, down to Iowa, Wisconsin, Iowa, wherever you go. Take us with you on the road. And then, of course, on YouTube, Roku, Amazon Fire. We're everywhere, people. Wherever you're at, we want to be there with you. And again, have a great Friday. Drink responsibly. And hey, it's Father's Day weekend. For all the fathers out there, enjoy it. I know I'm going to be doing softball for Father's Day, just like we did for Mother's Day, because that's what our life is about. But Sam, enjoy Father's Day. Uh, Luke and Reggie, enjoy uh, watering your plants. Uh, but but for the fathers out there, grab a drink, have a cigar, sit back, relax, and, and do what you do every day. Nothing. Don't do anything. Just relax. Have fun and enjoy the weekend, people. Have a great one.